Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Welcome to For Future Considerations, your favorite podcast that you can find anywhere podcasts are located with the two best looking guys in podcast, radio, episode, television, history. John and Manny are with me today. Guys, how's it going? <laughs> I'm good. Just sitting here being my beautiful self, you know. I know once I you turned on the webcam, John, it's, oh yeah, once that webcam came on, it's, it's next level now. Yeah, I just want to rub his head, like shine it, like. <laughs> you, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it needs a good old waxing. What does the magic eight ball say tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it says the Blue Jays are not making the playoffs now. <laughs> <laughs> All signs point to yes. <laughs> Boys, great to be with you. After I was uh, celebrating a big birthday on Tuesday, me and my. Best bud next to you guys, Tom Brady. We were out celebrating his 44th birthday on Tuesday. Uh-huh. I got him some avocado ice cream, some kombucha or whatever the heck you call Where that is, crap. What did, where'd you guys go? Like Arby's or Zap Zone? Or what was the plan? <laughs> no, some Zen place. All uh, we did was it was the tamest birthday party ever. We we didn't even, we weren't even allowed to speak. The only thing we were allowed to say was hmm. <laughs> and then the occasional let's go. <laughs> so what did you do at the party? Soul searching, honey. I did some soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe he's 44 years old? 44, it still looks great. He looks like he's in the best shape of his life. And he like, looks I, like he's still got another 40 years in the league. Like, <laughs> I think I might have the kombucha, right? Or try this avocado ice cream, yeah. whatever he eats. Because if, if he's still playing at that level, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. There's not many left that can pull that off at that level. I wish I had started that about 20 years ago. It might be too late for me to start that treatment. I don't know. That head could get a little shinier. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that stuff does good things for the head. You could look like Carrot Top by the time you're done eating that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Carrot top without the hair. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since my wife started cutting my hair, it's been getting shorter and shorter and shorter. I think she's trying to tell me something. Uh Uh-huh. It's time to give it up. Like a comb over. Yeah, that's right. Hey, we can call you Mr. Clean. That'll be your new nickname. (laughs) You've got the pipes like them, right? Like you're built like them. Yeah. Our, our John's clean. It's not that pipes. funny, Matt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the show's off the rails already. Ah, uh, college. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, are we going to talk about on the show today, John? 
Ah, well, we'll talk about the Olympics. We have hockey, we have football, basketball, baseball, and uh, it's been a wild week of transactions in the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball with players getting traded or signing contracts all over the place. Let's start with chaos that was the baseball trade deadline. Just crazy. Uh, to have my time wrapping up in uh, D.C. to getting the family, you know, packed up, getting ready to have them ship out here to L.A., um, and then, you know, just emotions of joining the Dodgers. The biggest deal was likely Washington sending Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to the L.A. Dodgers. The Nationals and the Chicago Cubs went on full fire sale. Which team do you think improved the most at the deadline and which trade will have the most impact? Well, uh, the Dodgers really improved, right? Like if you if you add Max Scherzer, a Cy Young Award winner, a World Series champ, Trey Turner's pretty good with the glove. Um, and with the bat, for that matter, too. Like, I think the Dodgers are a clear winner, right, Matt? Yeah, I, I think they had to make that move uh, as, as stacked as they are, uh, especially in that rotation. You know, Walker Bueller, um, Kershaw right now is, is still... Um, trying to get better um may is out obviously we don't know what's going on with trevor bauer so they were really one good solid starter uh, at this point and had to go make the that big splash and, and got the biggest guy available and gave up a fair amount of prospects for it but the dodgers are are simply win now mode uh from from here on out i do like what the white Sox did as well um getting craig kimbrell uh from the uh, the north side assuring up that bullpen there as well and they're going to be another one of those teams that when we're looking at the trade deadline coming up, didn't really have to make a lot of moves because they're starting to get some of their guys back. They're starting to get healthy. So I think they win without having to give up a lot uh, in that case. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm glad you brought up Kimbrell as well. Uh, the White Sox were my pick in the American League. And I still haven't seen another team that has impressed me much. I know Oakland's played well. Houston's played well. Um, you know, there's a bit of a race in the AL East with teams trying to catch the wild card too. But, you know, the Yankees added a Rizzo and a Gallo. Um, but I thought they needed pitching more. And I don't know if Andrew Heaney's the guy that put them over the edge, right? Um, yeah, and we'll get into know. the Blue Jays, I'm sure, uh, and, and break down that as well. One of the losers for me was the Red Sox. I don't think the Red Sox did nearly enough. Now, this Robles kid that they got uh, punched the Tigers' lights out on, on Tuesday. It looked pretty good. So uh, that might be uh, some help there. But I, I've never really been blown away with what the Red Sox have. And, and they are a team to me that... Uh, you know, you see the Blue Jays uh, starting to get hot, uh, playing at home, I'm sure has helped. The Yankees, hopefully, with the, their new left-handed batters in the short porch at Yankee Stadium are, are going to have to win a lot of 9-6 games, 9-7 games. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Red Sox finish third out of those three teams because I don't think they've done a ton uh, to get there. And, and Manny, when we were out uh, earlier this week, uh, the Tigers play the Red Sox this week, uh, played last night, tonight, and tomorrow. And uh, that you know the pitching matchups, to me, f- seem to favor the Tigers just from pure ERA and, and, uh, and winning percentage. And that's you know a, a team under 500 to a division leader and that you know that doesn't look uh, that doesn't look great yeah it seems like boston and the yankees now are trying to beat everybody by outscoring them seven six right like the yanks add a gallo and a rizzo um uh, i'm with you i i you know i look at that boston lineup their their lineup's okay i don't know about the pitching staff and when their eras are all over three and a half four and five 
in some cases in their starting rotation. Uh, I I totally agree with you there. You, you know, uh, if I think about another loser, I think about the Padres who were not able to get the Scherzer that they were rumored to get. Um um, because they've been hit by the injury bug. Now, Tatis is on the IL for a bit. Um, the Padres could miss out. Like right now, they're in a wild card race and they could miss out. And the fact that they didn't land a front end starter to help them, I think, hurts them. And it'll be interesting to see down the stretch. Of course, Nationals fans and Cubs fans are losers, too, because they just saw their teams blow up. Especially Cubs fans, right? You win a World Series with Baez and Rizzo and Bryant, and now they're smacking dingers for their new teams. It's hard for me to call the Nationals and the Cubs losers out of this. I mean, they both had world championships uh, with those front-end guys. I mean, this is just kind of the end of that chapter. I I wouldn't necessarily call them losers, per se. I mean, they, they both have championship rings from those franchise players that they they've just moved so everybody's cycle comes to an end and it, it seems to have come to an end there but um you know for for them i, I think you know you, you look at a team that doesn't have much of a future we'll say uh, that uh, in Colorado that can't swing a deal for for Trevor Story when you see those other shortstops getting moved throughout the year and, and in free agency as well you know you're going to get a, a compensation pick for him which is going to be 33rd or 35th something like that in the draft I, I find it hard to believe that you are going to you're not going to find a player or a deal that's going to be better than a 35th overall pick in the draft. And then what about uh, what the Blue Jays did, adding uh, Jose Barrios and Joaquin Soria and Brad Hand? Yeah, and to me, the Blue Jays went the opposite way, which I, I think was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Yankees tried to load up on hitting. The Red Sox made a move to improve hitting. So the Blue Jays went pitching. And, you know, they got uh, up behind Scherzer. I think Barrios was the best starting pitcher available. Uh, they've got him. He looks pretty comfortable in his first start with the Jays. Brad Hand didn't, but he's a very good pitcher. And Joaquin Soria is a guy that's been around. He's played for, God, almost every team in, in the major leagues, has playoff experience. Experience, uh, is a good bullpen guy and you know the Blue Jays fans have, have always said that uh, the bullpen and the starting rotation were strengths and they've not been and uh, and now you can kind of say okay as you know these guys kind of settle in then then now now we've got something whoever said the Blue Jays bullpen was a strength Hasn't no. seen the Blue Jays play this year right like you were you weren't listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, bullpen's atrocious. Like they they needed reinforcements there, and they added reinforcements. Hand and Soria were just the latest ones. There were other pitchers that they added. I'm thinking Simber, and I think there was somebody else that they added. But Barrios is a frontline starter, clear number two behind Ryu. And you got Manoa. Uh, Robbie Ray's having a really good year. So now you've got four real strong starters there. Uh, and that might put them over the edge. I really like what the Jays did. And, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast before. Like, if you're going to go for it, you go for it. The Blue Jays gave up two big prospects in that deal for Barrios, But that was the price of poker. If you're going to go for it, if you've got the team, um, you've got to support that team 
and make a big deal. And I like that the Blue Jays did that. Yeah, and I think for a guy like Barrios, I mean, you're going to have him for half the season this year, a full season next year, and then if you can re-sign him, all bets are off. I think you've won that trade no matter what those two players turn into. Um, to me, that that's going to be a deciding factor of uh, if, you, if you can re-sign him. And, you know, you look at that roster, you look at some of the flexibility that they may have financially right now because some of those big-name players have not signed their big deals. There should be money for Barrios sitting there, and there's not a lot of guys in the free agent market um, when they come to the Blue Jays leave the Blue Jays. There's not a lot that like to sign there as free agents, but guys that end up getting traded there that get to be around that uh, that organization, the fan base and such, and, and experience Toronto in general, uh, they don't normally leave uh, unless it's outside of their... Um, uh, their their pay grade. So uh, I think they've got a pretty good chance of signing Barrios. And, and if they do to a long-term deal after this, uh, then it doesn't matter what prospects they gave up. Do you like the move? John, you're the Jays fan. Yes. After watching the bullpen blow so many games this year, I'm really, really happy to get more enforcements. And uh, I think that's going to make a big difference. It's been so frustrating to watch them get a lead and then blow the game late. So many times this season. So at the time that we're we're recording this right now, the Blue Jays are eight games out of the division. Uh, they would be behind, uh, you know, Tampa and first, Boston, New York, and and Toronto. Uh, as far as the wild card is concerned, so they would be, let's say, they're five, six games back of the wild card. Uh, are the Jays getting in? I always said they were getting in. You were the two guys who said they weren't getting in. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they are. I think it's that's a lot to overcome. On I think Seattle's going to fall off the map. That's one of the teams that they have to chase. Yeah. Uh, and I know Boston's got a big lead, but again, like we said earlier, I'm not sold on the Red Sox. Yeah, I think really- Oakland's going to stick. Houston's going to stick. Tampa Bay is going to stick. The White Sox are going to stick. I think it's going to be the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox battling for the final wild card. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's how it ends up playing out for me. And I know there's a fair amount of games. Uh, we are looking at the Blue Jays' schedule the rest of the way. Uh, August seems pretty light for the Jays, so they might be able to make up some room there. Uh, September looks pretty tough, uh, especially when you're getting into those last couple weeks. I think they play the uh, the Yankees six times or seven times in that, in that last two weeks, and maybe that's where it all kind of boils down. Wouldn't those be some exciting games to see in person if they're actually battling for a playoff spot in that final stretch? Tickets are crazy, though, for the Rogers Center. 150 bones. Wow. Just to get in Come the on, door. John. God, I remember, I remember getting $16 tickets and getting my hot dog and being up in the 500s. Yeah, I saw the, the, the concessions. The O-Dog combos now is $63. <laughs> what dear god the o-dog combo the best combo in the history of baseball was it ever <laughs> especially when you get two in a game that's four hot dogs that's... guys i gotta make a pit stop on the way out they just roll you out of the 500s <laughs> and we're not talking about jeff o'neill we're talking about orlando hudson here when you're talking <laughs> yeah, about O-Dog. Right, yeah. that's how far right, back right? we're going <laughs> Yeah, that's how far back we're talking about. 
And uh, almost as crazy as the baseball trade deadline was NHL free agency. Over 60 contracts worth more than $400 million handed out in the first two hours of free agency this year, compared to 22 contracts and $94 million last year. Uh, Dougie Hamilton is now in New Jersey. The Maple Leafs added Peter Mrazek in goal. Phil Grubauer goes to Seattle and the Colorado Avalanche trade uh, trade for Darcy Kemper. Um, Which team do you think improved the most during free agency? Uh, I like what Seattle did. Uh, obviously, getting Philip Grubauer, uh, you know, the, they went with um, with Dreiger in uh, the um, uh, the expansion draft, and, and then one upped it and, and have got a lot of money uh, banked in, in goaltenders at this point. But they did have that flexibility in, in that cap space, so uh, I think they did pretty well. I also had the Devils down. Um, I'm not a big Dougie Hamilton fan, but when you get the what seems to be a pretty decent contract um, on the, the best. Uh, defensemen available um, and an exciting team and a pretty good draft uh, as well. Uh, I know they went out and got a goaltender in there in the mix too. So uh, I liked what they did. Um, you know, the, the Leafs have left with Freddie Anderson. They're going with Peter Morazic. He's a, another guy as a, a Red Wing fan that I've never really gotten. Um, and, and even this time with, with Carolina, but you know, the, the Leafs go out and get a couple of uh, former Boston Bruins to, uh, to improve their their spot as well um i wouldn't necessarily call them a, a winner but i thought they uh they made uh, some some again more character moves without a lot of flexibility in there because of uh of the salaries that are there um losers for me are the oilers and the hurricanes uh you know the oilers spent a ton of money on another forward whereas it's not they're, they're strang- you know that's not where they're struggling they trade Ethan Bear uh, which is again now another forward for uh, or a defenseman for a forward and the Hurricanes gave up every goaltender that they have to get Freddie Anderson and then they go and sign uh, D'Angelo as well and, and give him a contract and, and welcome him back to the league I think that's uh, that's a big L right in your face after a pretty good year last year so there's a lot there uh you hate Dougie Hamilton, but you think New Jersey is a winner. I think Are New you, Jersey. Did I get this right? I think New Jersey wins because they get the best defenseman, and they've got a pretty impressive and exciting team in there. Uh, they win because they they got the top guy. And when was the last time the New Jersey Devils got the top free agent? I've I said from the beginning that I, I I'm not a Dougie Hamilton fan. I think somebody's going to massively overpay for him. But good for the New Jersey Devils to to feel like that's you know that they were in the market and able to win that guy's uh, rights so you again you don't like dougie hamilton but you think he was the best free agent on the market i think he was the best defenseman on the market yes but would i be signing him no not to that kind of money right and now they're paying him and suban nine million dollars each on that blue line and I don't think they're that close. Like, I still don't think they get into the postseason next year when I take a look at that Eastern Conference in the playoff picture there and well, the teams that they have to get. So who are your winners um, then? Montreal well, and who else? <laughs> no, I, I'm not picking Montreal. There's a lot of question marks around Montreal. I really like what Chicago did. Going back to what we said earlier in baseball, they know the window is short. Right, they Kane is getting older, Taves is getting older. Heck, Taves didn't even play last year, he's coming back. Kirby Doc 
is coming back healthy. You add a Tyler Johnson. You add um, a Seth Jones on the blue line. You add Jake McCabe on the blue line. You add Mark andre Fleury in goal. All of a sudden, this team is now going for it. And I like the balls there by Stan Bowman to, hey, our window is closing. If we're going to make a move, we need to make a move now. And I really like what Chicago did there. And they and that they added a few other pieces, too, that I'm not even um, touching on. Like, uh, who's the guy from Edmonton? Kari? Uh, Kahari or whatever. The, he's a really good depth third, fourth line guy that I think is really going to help them uh, down the stretch. Um, and, you know, like Kirby Doc, now a second line center. Tyler Johnson is your third line center. Like those are some pretty good moves. Um, I'm glad you said the Oilers because I still don't know what the heck they're doing on the blue line. They had Duncan Keith. They had Cody Cece. Um and, you know, no offense to those guys, but I don't think that's a lot of help there for Nurse at all. And they still have Mike Smith and Ghoul, who's 39 years old. He's no Tom Brady. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. And the Canes, uh, I'm glad you said them too, because the goaltending situation, are they clearly better in goal? by giving up Morazic and Nadelkovic and replacing them with Antti Ranta and Freddie Anderson. And, I don't know if they're that much and that much better in goal. Right, Reimer's gone too, right? All three. You, you, know, you go to the, the semifinals and the playoffs on a, a second-year goalie, uh, you know, a veteran who you popped in and out, and then another guy who has played very well for you. And you got rid of all three of them for two B-line goaltenders. Like, Freddie Anderson is paid like the number one guy, but is he healthy enough? Like, I don't know. Maybe Antti Ranta will be the number one guy there. I just don't understand what they're doing there. And not to be outdone, the NBA has been making headlines. First, Russell Westbrook is joining the LA Lakers, and so is Carmelo Anthony. And Kyle Lowry is leaving the Toronto Raptors and taking his talents to South Beach to join the Miami Heat. Which NBA team improved the most? Well, I I think Miami... Not only did they get Kyle Lowry, um, but they also got um, P.J. Tucker, who was a big, big player for Milwaukee down the stretch and helped them win a championship. So I think Miami vastly improved. I know Westbrook's the big storyline with the Lakers, and they added Carmelo Anthony on Tuesday. Like it, It's like LeBron's playing GM over there. Right? Can, like, can we uh, can we stop with this? Like you you could not have possibly and I don't have a huge interest in basketball, but you could not have possibly lost me more than hearing Russell Westbrook and then Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James and Antonio Davis and and then you know they they went and got a couple of other bench guys as well. Like you know it's to me Ellington, it's just like Ariza. Yeah. yeah, like this is not entertaining to anybody. This is this is you know you're getting sure you're getting guys that are not necessarily peak uh, players anymore. You know Carmelo, who knows what Carmelo's good for anymore? But you know you get Westbrook, you're getting LeBron, you get AD. Like to me, it's it becomes there, there's got to be a point where this becomes boring that you have an 82 game regular season for this sport specifically with some of these teams that are getting built. 
Yeah, and I don't even know if the Lakers are still the best team in the West. Like, Chris Paul was added to Phoenix. They re-signed him. Although, basically, Chris Paul had him over a barrel. They're going to pay him four years, $120 million. This guy's going to be 40 years old and get paid $30 million on the last year of his deal. Like, I think they had to bring him back because of what he means to that team. But, geez, giving this guy a four-year deal and that much money, wow. Like, I look at what Utah did with Mike Conley. They got him at a bargain bin price, and he's a really good point guard. So I think Utah is still going to be tough to beat. The only uh, question mark on the West side is Kawhi. He's hurt. I don't even know if he's going to play next year. He's a free agent without a deal. He may not play next year because his knee. And we all know how he deals with injuries because of his history. Like, Brooklyn still may be the best team in the East. Remember, they still have Durant. They still have Harden. They still have Kyrie Irving. You know, but I think Miami's making a pretty good push there. But that, and that to me is the basketball argument. Like, you just named... uh, Probably, uh, unless you know you're, you can include Miami in there, maybe Philadelphia. But haven't we just named the Final Four already? Yeah, pretty much. Like pretty much yeah. set in stone. Yeah, you know, like Giannis is going to have something to say about that. Everybody's going to look at the Sixers, but I think the Sixers are a mess because they have Ben Simmons on their team, and we we saw how that ended, and he hasn't even left the team yet. If he starts the year with the Sixers. That's going to be chaos. Um, Chicago's making moves. They added Lonzo Ball. They added DeMar DeRozan. But I still don't know what that identity of a team is. And I don't even know if they're a top four team after all those moves. Like, I think you're right. I, I think you already know what the final four will be. I know it's annoying, but does it give everybody someone to hate, at least with Miami? They're going to be the most hated team in the league outside of, outside of Miami. Does that give every other fan of every other team and a common enemy and at least make that a little bit entertaining? Aren't we just tired of this already, though? Yeah. Like, aren't, aren't we just tired of the, 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 the super teams and, uh, you know, especially the worst thing? And, and this was like, you know, back in the 90s, end of the 90s, uh, when the New York Yankees were in their prime. I mean, it's almost worse for baseball and it's almost worse for basketball when the Lakers don't win and when the Yankees don't win. Because all that we see happen is, okay, let's go just pick up these five more Hall of Famers and we'll figure out a way to put them in the lineup somewhere and you know, off off we go. We're going to win it again this year. I've, if you already hate those guys, you already hate those guys and you, know, you don't want to see LeBron win anymore. You don't want to see Westbrook win at all or whatever but I mean like I don't hate them anymore I'm tired of it yeah you may be tired of it but I think John brings up a good point in the fact that there are going to be fans who are going to rally around a uh an enemy um you know the same enemy um and I and the one thing about basketball though is they still get viewers like people are going to want to watch how Westbrook plays with LeBron and AD, right? How how Carmelo looks in a Lakers uniform. They're going to see if Miami's the real deal after their additions. So basketball, I don't understand. How do they change that? I don't think they need to change that because they still have viewers. And people are still going to watch these super teams to see, A, how they play together, and B, if they do win it all. 
And we have a listener question about basketball. Kenny from Mississauga sent us a message on Instagram at podcast FFC. And uh, he said, uh, Kyle Lowry is leaving the Toronto Raptors after nine seasons. Is he the greatest Raptor of all time? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a question about it. He, he leads the franchise in a number of different categories. Um, and uh, I thought our good friend Tony Ambrosio had a good tweet out that he put this week after Lowry made public that he was signing with Miami. Like fans of Toronto, they always like the grinders, whether it's the Wendell Clarks or the the heart and soul guys, the guys who will compete uh, in the trenches. Wendell Clark, Dougie Gilmore, um, you know, Kyle Lowry was that type of player taking charges, you know, chasing loose balls down. And that's why the fans loved him. Not only was he a really good basketball player, but he was a heart and soul type of guy. And I think Toronto fans really rally around that. Yeah, he obviously embraced Toronto and embraced Canada, embraced the pressure of playing there. And like you said, Manny, he's got a number of statistical records uh, in his back pocket. But the big number for for him, uh, just over everyone else, is the number one. Uh, And that's how many rings he's won in the city of Toronto. Did Wendell Clark didn't do that? Dougie Gilmore didn't do that. Yep. Kyle Lowry delivered a champion. Unfortunately for the city of Toronto and their fans, there ain't a lot of guys on that list <laughs> that have done that. But, <laughs> so true. So but true. he was one of the rest. Um, can I be a contrarian, though, and say, what about Kawhi? Like, I know he was only there for a short time, but they don't win a championship without him. Yeah, but I think you can make the same argument that they don't win the championship without Lowry either. Right, I guess, yeah, like true. if it's just Kawhi, yeah, you, and you don't have Lowry, I think it's the same argument. Like Kawhi was definitely a big factor. He, he could play defense. He played defense on Giannis in that in that sem, uh, final series, if you remember. Um, uh, but but he was also a good one on one score, and I think we've seen the Raptors don't have a pure one on one score right now, and that may be one of their faults. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. Oh my God. And now it's time for our play of the week, picked by you, the fans, and our social media followers. And we have some controversy this week. Little pop-up. And barehand catch by Santiago Espinal to end the ball game. <laughs> because why not? Santiago Espinal's barehanded catch to secure the victory for the Toronto Blue Jays and their return to Toronto was picked by you, the fans, as the play of the week. And not Jose Jose Iglesias. Come on. If you saw those plays. Yeah, not one move not only secured the ball and flipped at the second base right on the money. I mean, that the, the thing that doesn't work for him is that it wasn't a double play, uh, if there's anything else. But, yeah, I mean, see, it's okay. Blue Jay fans are getting excited. They're back home. You get to go see them for 650 bucks. <laughs> you know, they're, they're knocking on the wild card door. It's okay to get excited, guys, but that was not the best play of the week. It's okay. It's funny. All three of us picked the same cl- picked the same play. Yeah, and Adam Hooper again screwed it all up because he picked the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I Adam, did see that Adam. tweet. Our buddy Adam Hooper. If you don't vote on the same day, you vote on the wrong one. Yeah, Adam Hooper's over two here. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's old for seven, I think. Really, um, like he didn't even he didn't even grab the ball with his bare hand. The ball. St- if you haven't seen the Iglesias play, go to podcast FFC and see it. But like the ball, he got it in his glove and he flipped it with his glove. He didn't use his offhand to throw it to second. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, that was a great play. Brutal. That it didn't <laughs> win the play of the week. But Bunch hey, of homers. That's what it our, is. Our play of the week is brought to you by London Awnings. Quality that shows some of the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Not Iglesias' this play. <laughs> and uh, you can look for our poll on Twitter on Mondays on the social media account. So we post the candidates. So you can actually go on the link, see the play that Jose Iglesias made that was so much better than anybody else's last week, and then actually make an educated vote and click on the right one. <laughs> Every Monday, we're going to do the play of the week uh, podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. Like London Awnings puts up an awning better than the Espinal play. Like, that's how bad it is. They don't even get out of the truck at London Awnings. They just kind of toss it, just like Jose Iglesias flipping the ball to second. The whole thing just comes down. It's amazing. You've never seen it. They install an awning in about 45 seconds. (laughs) I had no idea. Yes. So let's make this a PSA, though, too, for this voting. If uh, you're not studying up, this is your practice before the real election comes up, okay? Don't screw up the election. <laughs> yeah, hit the wrong button. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was the hanging chad? We're going to start this whole thing all over again? <laughs> Our listeners elect the marijuana party. <laughs> he won <laughs> and then just before we leave baseball I just wanted to talk about the uh, Toronto Blue Jays finally adding a radio only broadcast to their games once again and how much better that is did you guys get a chance to listen at all I didn't get a chance John did it sound that much better so much better Ben, ben Wagner though the poor guy he uh, has to do the game solo It's just him for three hours, but uh, yeah, he did a great job. Really conversational, didn't talk about things that I should be seeing on the screen. I got to know what the count was after every pitch. Yeah, it was much, much better. They couldn't bring one of the six guys from the TV studio to do color (laughs) with the guy on radio? I know, eh? the army of people that cover the Blue Jays on TV. (laughs) Brutal. Well, you win, Rashad. You took on the man and the man fell down. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been this happy since I called for George Strombolopoulos' removal from Hockey Night in Canada and got that too. See, you are an influencer. That's what you call influencer. <laughs> You're the most influential person on Twitter that has 10 followers and literally goes out and tells people not to follow him. I'm looking at the, He doesn't even follow me, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, look, you don't even like any of our posts. You just vote in the pool. (laughs) I'm a very busy guy. Apparently. (laughs) Well, let's not take up any more of your time here, Rashad, and let's get some rapid fire. Um, I was just going to mention, too, um, I didn't write down his name, but the Rogers executive who came out and said that he thought they were doing a pretty good job up till now on the radio. Did you see that? I didn't see that. 
Did you fire off a letter? <laughs> I should. Yeah. <laughs> Strongly worded letter from influencer John Rashad. <laughs> Don't let me sick my 10 followers on you, Rogers. <laughs> Are you ready? And now it's time for rapid fire. We're going to start with another email question from a listener. And again, you can email us topics, suggestions, and even your own hot takes at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. And this is from Kevin in Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. Love this. We're going, uh, we're based in Windsor. John's in Markdale, Ontario. And that's why he's such an influencer, because that's a huge uh, social media haven there in Markdale. But listen, we're getting emails from Wisconsin. I love it. They've got uh, internet in Madison, Wisconsin. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Good for them. Do they do they uh, get a they get to follow their John Kardashian? (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna post a picture one day that's gonna break the internet. I'm telling you, (laughs) that bald head'll do it. (laughs) Kevin, thanks a lot, Kevin. What did he write? Uh, He said that uh, Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay Packers camp and held court with an epic news conference upon his return. Started with a conversation in February um, that the season ended. And I just expressed, you know, my desire to be uh, more involved in conversations that directly affected my job. Um, Also, uh, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from them some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated um, and just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, many of them who weren't offered a contract at all or were extremely lowballed or were, you know, maybe in my opinion, not uh, given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserve. Do you think Rodgers and other QBs in the NFL should be more involved in player personnel decisions? Well, thanks for the question, Kevin. That's a good one. Love it. That is a good one. Um, I think it depends on the QB. Like Josh Allen, the QB of the Buffalo Bills, hasn't been in the league long enough in my opinion, to be able to carry that sort of weight in the franchise. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, who's won a Super Bowl, who's won an MVP championship, I think, yeah, he deserves the right to be talked to about, hey, what do you think of this guy? Hey, we're thinking about letting this guy loose. You know, give him a heads up if you're going to cut a a wide receiver, you're going to trade Randall Cobb and you don't have to reacquire him to keep your QB happy. It is a QB driven league. And if the player has shown that he can compete at a high level, yeah, then maybe you should trust his opinion. Yeah, I think the the important thing on this uh, when when we look at again the the player personnel side of things is that the general manager should have an idea of what is going to make this team 
better and what is going to put their superstar players in the best position possible. I don't think they've done that in Green Bay, and obviously we've talked about this before. There's more people on this call than there are wide receivers that were drafted in the first two rounds in the last eight years or whatever the numbers are. So uh, do I think that they should have uh, a say in personnel and player personnel decisions? No, uh, I don't. I do think that the front office should have an idea of what's going to make things better. I don't mind going to the guy and saying, hey, you know, we're looking at this guy. Do you know anybody? Uh, do you know him? Would you like to play with him? But ultimately, I don't think that's your decision. Unless Aaron Rodgers is in there and is in these cap meetings and is in these scouting meetings and knows the whole rest of what's going on, I don't think he should be able to one and done say, you know, we should go get this guy or we should go get this guy and and really have that be the the decision maker the other part of it to me and this is again just more recent because of how Aaron Rodgers have handled things I don't think you get to handle things the way you do when you're Aaron Rodgers and get a say Uh, I think he's acted like a bit of a baby throughout this process I don't like the look for him. I don't like the idea of going around and possibly saying that he was going to leave uh, and wanted to do this uh, or else. So that I'm not a huge fan of. But no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with leaning on these guys to get some suggestions. But I definitely don't think that they should be the ones that make this final call. But Matt, I, I totally disagree. Like they should have been doing this with Aaron Rodgers years ago. Like. He was an MVP, multiple MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. They should be asking his opinion. I'm not saying that what Aaron Rodgers says is gospel. I'm saying that they should be asking his opinion and maybe helping to recruit a free agent or two to improve your football team if you so feel that, that, yeah, he's right. You know what? We could use this guy at wide receiver. Like, I have no problem with what Aaron Rodgers said. He's been keeping receipts over the years, and he shared those receipts because he's been done wrong not once, not twice, but multiple times by the Green Bay Packers, who I'm surprised their star QB is still there. He should have left a while ago. Thanks to Kevin for that question. That was a good one, actually. And That was uh, a good one. Yeah. And uh, Simone Biles came back from her mental health break and competed on the beam at the Summer Olympics and took home bronze. But uh, there's still widespread criticism about her decision to take a break. Um, What do you guys think of that decision? I I don't know how you can criticize this poor girl. I mean, you can't imagine a scenario where you have any experience or have seen anything that this girl has seen in her life to decide whether you think that it's right or wrong that that she took a break, whether it was mental health or, or John, I, I know you've got some inside information from Simone Biles' camp as to what happened, but uh, I, I don't think you have the ability to talk like that about somebody else who's, you know, not only just a little bit better at you in pretty much every avenue of her life at the age that she's in, like better than you than everything in your life <laughs> at, the, at the age that she's in. <laughs> Right? Like, here she is on the biggest stage in the world. You know, there's obviously a ton of pressure on her. And she's feeling that not only does she want to win, but she doesn't She doesn't want to let herself down. But she doesn't want to let all her fans and coaches and family down as well. That's a huge ton of pressure on a world stage. And this isn't the 1970s anymore. Like, mental health. 
is a serious, serious conversation that has been long overlooked, not only in society, but in sports. Yeah, I checked with a friend of mine who competed in gymnastics at a pretty high level and asked her about this. And uh, she said that she doesn't think it's uh, mental health that was... uh had Simone Biles not wanting to compete. She said it's called getting a case of the a case of the twisties. And what that is is she said that um, when you do a gymnastics move thousands and thousands of times over and over again, your brain actually doesn't even think about it anymore. Your body just kind of does it without you even thinking about it. And if you're ever in the middle of doing it and then you come out of it or you get distracted, all of a sudden you don't realize if you're upside down or where you are exactly and you can end up landing on your head or uh, suffering a really catastrophic injury and so she said in that moment your body can unlearn everything you've taught it to do that move and so she said that uh, you may actually have to go back and relearn that move completely from scratch and so she said with Simone Biles she has moves that nobody else does only she knows how to do those moves and uh, she's got four four or five moves named after her that she invented because she's so far ahead of everyone else so she said she would actually have to go back and relearn those and she just didn't have time during the olympics and so her big thing was i don't want to go up there screw up and risk hurting myself really badly and then also putting my team in a position where they're not going to win or they're going to they're going to get a bronze instead of a gold that type of thing and so she said that's what she thinks it is and she said that it's happened to her when she's been coming off a beam doing a dismount and she said luckily she landed it but she said it can happen to any gymnast at any time where you just lose your train of thought or your body gets distracted and you can end up getting really seriously injured but she did say it was mental health though did she not so Uh, is that part of the mental health issue yeah maybe then yeah possibly hey if you forget your routine it causes stress you know your your mental health that way if if that's the case right i suspect we'll hear a little bit more about it she's been pretty uh pretty outspoken and pretty honest about it so I'll, i'll be interested to hear what she says about it going forward um finally a big shout out to kiefer who didn't like our, resp- <laughs> our response to his puppet or dump it suggestion. Uh, he says he's going to send us another one. But this week we have another suggestion. I'll pick a better song, Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get mad at me. This is Calvin Harris featuring Tom Grennan with By Your Side. I'll be there by your side. Amy in St. Thomas wants to know if we should pump it or dump it. It's a good tune, boys. Pump that up. That is the song of the summer, boys. Oh, bam, come bam, bam. on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> song of the summer? I don't know about that. That's a good tune. Yeah, I like me tune. some Calvin Harris. Yeah. Everything he does turns to gold. Yep. That's right. Pump that all the way up. And that does it for Rapid Fire. Remember to send us your thoughts by email at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah, keep those emails coming. Love going to the listener mailbag. That's fantastic. We want to thank our sponsors again. London Awnings, quality that shows. Shane Topolovic, Next Level Athletics and Windsor specializing in sport training, nutrition, and the pommel horse. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he could do it? 
Do you think he could he could work the pommel horse? I don't know. I know the guy needs a does a, when he does the long jump. He doesn't need the stick. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> can he do the high jump? Oh, there you go. How high can he go? <laughs> Next time you see him, ask him if he's ever had a case of the twisties without telling him what that is and just see what he we've, does. We've seen him when he's on the twisties. <laughs> it ain't good. It is not. It ain't good. It ain't Six good. out of ten is what I would give that. <laughs> he wouldn't even qualify for the final. <laughs> And uh, just a reminder, stay tuned. The OT is back this week. Yeah, our second episode of the week is uh, released on Friday. We are going to be talking to part of the Iser plan, Detroit Red Wings draft pick and Windsor Spitfire, Pasquale Zito. Tell me you're planning on using the words Iser plan in that interview. 18 times, John, 18 times. Looking forward to the conversation, not looking forward to the Iser plan. Until then, though, follow us on social media, Podcast FFC, on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook, at For Future Considerations. And thank you guys for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.